Welcome back to the Equity Matters Podcast. This is your host, Addis JB3. And today we are talking about mission. And when you think of a mission or a mission statement for an organization, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is purpose. The mission statement should explain why you exist. It should explain what you're looking to accomplish, how you're going to serve individuals or communities. But mission is so much more. I mean, it's philosophically based in why am I here? And when you add this idea of diversity, equity and inclusion to the mission statement or you create a diversity statement, it becomes even more critical for organizations to consider their intentionality in addition to their impact. And so today we're going to hear from Dr. Ryan Warner, who's going to explain the importance of starting with your why. Not just as a consultant working externally to an organization, but when you're on the inside, what is your why? And once you understand exactly what it is that you're looking to accomplish, you start to line up strategies. You start to line up the way that you measure your success and you start to line up your outcomes in a way that all point back to the why. Am I doing what I said I set out to do? So I'm excited today to introduce you all to Dr. Ryan Warner. Dr. Warner, would you like to get us started? Yes, I really appreciate you for having me. Uh, So my name is Ryan Warner. I'm originally from the Chicagoland area. I went to the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign for my undergrad uh, and received a bachelor's degree in community health with a focus in rehabilitation. And from there, I went on to pursue a master's degree at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in rehabilitation psychology. During my time, my master's program, I became really interested and passionate about research, uh, specifically around diversity and inclusivity, and even more specifically around microaggressions amongst uh, doctoral students. So that led me to continue my education and then pursue a PhD in counseling psychology at Marquette University. So now, fast forward, I graduated in 2019 from Marquette, and now I began my own consulting firm called RC Warner Consulting, LLC, in which we focus on enhancing leadership, improving wellness, and also really enhancing diversity and inclusivity within organizations and Fortune 500 companies. So that's where my passion lays right now. And I do a lot of work regarding DNI work uh, in various groups around the nation. So let's go back a little bit. What really led you to consulting? I mean, a lot of folks get their start in whatever sector it may be, but it sounds like you dove right into the consulting opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting because I can remember back in like grade school and high school, I, I didn't really like public speaking. You know, that wasn't my my strength. But then as I began to get older and more and more educated, I, I got more opportunities to do public speaking and really teach others and educate others about various topics. And during my time doing that, I really found a passion and a love for public speaking and also teaching and and educating others to help them resolve or improve an issue in their life. And from there, you know, I realized, hey, I'm doing a lot of this for free during my schooling. You know, I'm just volunteering to get as many opportunities as possible. But then when I graduated, I realized, hey, you know, after I became a licensed psychologist and got the credential um, behind my name as well, I realized, hey, maybe I can start charging for this and, and maybe I can make this a career. 
And also always saw myself as an entrepreneur. I always wanted to do my own thing and, you know, be in my own lane and really have more autonomy over the work that I engage in. So that also led me to pursue, you know, entrepreneurship and begin my consulting firm. I'm I'm envious because I'm I'm flirting on both sides right now. Like I'm I'm fully employed, but I also recently started an LLC myself. And I'm like, I would love to spend more time doing the things that I'm really passionate about, but I also have that immense fear of you know stepping out on faith in that way. So kudos to you and thanks for leading the way for the rest of us. Tell us a little bit about the kinds of organizations that you assist. You know, you don't have to go into names, but kind of what industries are they in? So the organizations that reach out to me for consulting work are, are very broad. They range from community organizations to government entities to not-for-profits to universities. Um, so you know, I really engage with a lot of different organizations that have a lot of different missions and, and goals that they want to complete. And ultimately, you know, being a licensed psychologist, I look at myself as an expert of human behavior, right? So I look at myself as a generalist even though I'm really passionate and, and has a lot of expertise within the DNI world, I can all, I also consult with organizations to improve their wellness, right? Enhance their leadership, teach them specifically about emotional intelligence, work with non-for-profits so they can be able to figure out how can they be great leaders and how can they improve their organizational effectiveness and organizational commitment, you know? So, I look at myself, like I said, as a generalist and focus on a lot of different areas. However, my specialty in bread and butter is really helping organizations enhance their knowledge about the bias that they may hold and that how that impacts and negatively impacts organizational effectiveness. So we know, for instance, that if individuals and organizations are more inclusive and in being able to respect the differences of others, then they improve their performance by like 33%. Right, so a lot of organizations from, you know, McDonald's to, you know, uh, uh, government entities to not-for-profits, you know, all of them can really enhance uh, their, their ability to be able to respect the differences of others, you know, in this diverse society that we live and work in. And ultimately that helps them be more efficient, produce better products, right, and be able to accomplish their goals. Definitely. And, and also more attractive to future workforce, you know, when you know that organizations truly embody the principles of diversity and inclusion, there's a stronger likelihood that people will want to work there. Definitely. Yeah. And you can get a lot of different great, great ideas uh, that, that you may have not been able to get if you just had one particular group, right, at working at your institution or organization. You know, so we know that we have, when we have different viewpoints and different beliefs, individuals who come from different backgrounds, you know, then we are more creative. You know, we come up with uh, better ideas to produce better outcomes. And it's an interesting time because I feel more and more companies, especially ones that you wouldn't traditionally think of, are really interested in more DNI work. I mean, during these times, you know, uh, what's been happening in society, just the racial you know, injustice that's been going on. A lot of individuals are starting to wake up and say, hey, we need to hire consultants to ensure that we have a respectful, respectful and inclusive work environment. You know, so our employees feel heard and our employees feel safe, you know, in the environments that they work in. So just based on everything that's going on, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot of need out there for this type of work. 
Tell us a little bit about some of the hurdles that you see with organizations that you're consulting with. And, you know, whether that's just in the beginning of not even understanding what DNI means, what, what are some of the ch common challenges? Yes, yeah, so I think that's a great question. So I think of the common challenges I've seen personally is number one, every, it's hard to get everybody on board, you know, with helping to understand what DNI is and how it can be helpful. You know, some individuals may have never really thought about race or thought about how their gender gives them additional privileges, right? And, and ultimately coming in an outsider for an outside consultant to come in into an internal organization, then there might be a lot of pushback at first, you know, and, and ultimately that's really a hard hurdle to overcome. But I think that once you really convey the importance of this work, convey the importance about how you see increased performance, right, and better products and, and more, more productive work environments, then individuals of all different backgrounds are able to say, hey, I think this is actually meaningful then now, you know, because it not only benefits the marginalized group, but it benefits everybody, you know, because we're all working together to accomplish whatever mission at hand. In working in collaboration with organizations, how do you help them to shape their goals? And at what point do you as the consultant kind of walk away and say, I've brought you as far as I can, the rest is up to you? So first thing when consulting with organizations, you have to understand their mission. You have to understand what is their vision and what goal are they striving for? You know, you can't come in and use a cookie cutter approach, right? And just because one thing worked for one organization doesn't mean another thing is gonna work for another organization, right? Um, so, so I'll give you an example. So a, a common training that, that I conduct is being able to help identify unconscious bias and, and talking about microaggressions and how that could be impactful within the work environment. So if I do a microaggressions talk with a university, then I have to tailor specifically to what they're seeing currently at that university. Right, so if they, if they see certain microaggressions that they brought up, hey, students are conveying to the faculty that this is an issue, then I need to talk specifically to that institution, to that university, right? Their specific problems. But then if I, if, if I give an international talk, for instance, one of my talks I did about microaggressions happened uh, in the country of Belize. And in that country, they see a lot of different microaggressions than we may see here in America. Right, so we have to understand the culture that we're working in when presenting different topics and trying to help mitigate uh, some of the problems that those organizations see. Even just being an entrepreneur, that comes with its own set of challenges. I don't want to say working without. So I have to imagine working in an entrepreneurial space comes with its own set of challenges, right? So a consistent flow of business, uh, not sure when the next project may come. Could you talk a little bit about what those obstacles have been like? Definitely. So I think number one, having connections, you know, ha has been essential for me. Uh, to give you a background, I've only started my consulting company about five months ago, but the business has been nonstop. I'm actually feeling kind of overwhelmed at times, you know, so I haven't necessarily experienced yet, uh, fortunately, that, um, that I haven't seen a lot of business. Um, so I'm actually in the opposite end. I've seen actually too much business and, you know, I have to be able to manage that sometimes because that can be overwhelming, kind of stressful at times. Uh, but being an entrepreneur, I think the challenges are number one, how do you get those connections, right? So like I said before, being able to network and know people, that's how you're going to get majority of your referrals. 
you know, even though I do have a website, you know, even though, you know, I do have a LinkedIn, a lot of my referrals come from me doing one training and then someone else telling somebody else about that training, you know, and then they reach out to me and say, hey, I heard you did a great training for this organization, you know, and I appreciate if you can come in and do my organization. And then once you're able to do a good job and get your name out there, then they're gonna, your, your name is just going to spread. So I think that's one of the main things that entrepreneurs just have to continue to hone in on and, and get good at is that networking piece. Uh, and also, yeah, I think that faith, you know, reaching out to faith is really important. You know, uh, for me, I identify as a Christian and I, I believe that my faith, you know, in God that I'm here for a purpose really has motivated me to, to start up my dream, you know, and not to wait until I'm five years, 10 years in the field. You know, uh, I really wanted to engage in, in this work. And, you know, just one day I just said, hey, I'm just going to do it. And from there, I haven't looked back. So having that faith, you know, knowing that you do have something to offer is important and also networking, knowing the right connections. One of the things that I'm, I'm particularly interested in, because working in certain spaces, I've been in the public sector, I've been in nonprofit, there's often times where organizations will claim to be diverse or to be inclusive. And it is present in their mission and their vision. But when you get into the operations and the actual implementation, you realize that they're not. How do you manage that? And how do you keep going with the work? First of all, defining diversity for them is really important. You know, some individuals may feel like, oh, it's just racial ethnic background, you know, diversity, or maybe it's just gender, right? But we have to look beyond that. Just think about different ideologies, different beliefs that we have, you know, different socioeconomic statuses, ages, ability status, right? So understanding what is culture and, the, and subcultures that may influence diversity is important. Uh, but also you can get them on board, as I mentioned before, by helping them understand the why behind the work. Understanding the why is essential because if they don't understand the why, then you're not gonna get a lot of buy-in, right? So for instance, telling companies, hey, here's the research behind this. You know, this is not just me coming in and, and me taking uh, my own beliefs and, and throwing it into a presentation. There's evidence-based research that shows if you're able to be more respectful of the differences of others and have more diverse teams, then that improves your productivity, that improves your unit cohesion, and it helps you accomplish the goal at hand, right? So once companies start to see that, every company wants to get better. Every company wants to enhance their products that they provide, enhance their productivity. So once you sell it that way, then you're gonna get a lot of individuals on board. So it sounds like the relationship often between the bottom line and diversity is really a driving factor, right? Like once organizations understand that, like you mentioned, you're not imposing your values, you're not just saying do this because it's the quote unquote right thing to do, there's actual evidence that suggests the moment you adopt this lens, the moment you do these things, you'll have better outcomes. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, bringing in evidence-based research is important. And that's why I really, you know, pride myself of being a science practitioner, right? So, you know, as a licensed psychologist, uh, going through different, different educational experiences, you know, I feel like I have that knowledge base to have that research behind what I'm saying. And, and once they see that evidence, then that gets some good buy-in by organizations. Could you speak to the different conversations that you have per audience, right? So even within an organization, talking to a board member is very different than talking to a mid manager, which is also very different than talking to a frontline staff person. 
How do those conversations change and kind of what's the through line with those? We can start, let's start at the top because I feel like for true systemic change to be created, it has to start from the top down. You know, so when having those organizations, having those talks with higher organizational leaders, you know, it's really important to, to emphasize that, you know, it's, it's important to say, hey, I'm not here just for a one-time training. You know, you, you check that off of your box that you had diversity training, that's it. You know, that's not gonna be effective. You know, and that's why it's important, like I mentioned before, to have that research, but also show those higher leaders the outcomes behind your work. For instance, after every training that I do, I, I give a survey to my participants and all, as well as the leaders that I'm consulting with. And, and now after I gather that data and analyze that data, I provide that for them. And I show them, here are the outcomes. Individuals said they, they had no clue about unconscious bias and this is how much they learned through this training, right? Or individuals felt that they were more comfortable and confident with having challenging conversations in their workplace. And that ultimately helped improve their well-being. Right. Once they see that outcomes, then leaders are going to get leaders on board. So now they're going to change their policies. They're going to change their procedures. They're going to work from the top down to really be able to provide that inclusive work environment. Now, let's start from the other end as well. Let's look at the other end. Let's look at the bottom up, you know, so for more of the individuals who are not in a leadership or supervisory role, you know, sometimes they feel like they have no power. Sometimes they feel that in their work environment, they're not able to really change anything based on you know their rank or uh, you know how they're placed in, in that in that pyramid so that's when those conversations go from okay how do you cope with this distress if, if you feel that you identify as a marginalized group and feel discriminated against against your in your workplace or or how do you have those tough conversations with leaders with supervisors because that power differential can can be impactful you know and a lot of individuals may feel like hey i don't have the power i'm not in the position to bring up these issues to higher leadership. You know, so then we talk about, you know, okay, how can you productively have these conversations? You know, not a confrontation, um, but have productive conversations to create change from the bottom up, right? And the last thing I wanna know kind of on this subject is how do you ensure sustainability? Because that's the biggest thing. I know I'm a social worker. I go to a continuing education, of course, people get really excited in the day, like I've learned so much, but then, weeks, months, years go by, you lose those lessons. How do you make sure that people continue to keep DNI at the forefront? Definitely. So all of my talks and presentations and trainings are very interactive. So not just interactive verbally, but interactive visually, interactively uh, cognitively as well. You know, we, we do different imagery uh, when it comes to being more aware of our conscious bias. You know, I show videos. Um, there's a lot of different ways that I engage with the audience. And I've seen that when that's so interactive, then that creates improved learning. That, that helps them keep that information a little bit longer. But also, also emphasize that DNI work needs to be deliberate and intentional and repeated, right? You can't just come in once, have a training and say, hey, my environment is good to go. You know, it has to be quarterly, it has to be monthly. We have to have these conversations bi-weekly or weekly. And that's what I do for a lot of organizations as well. Uh, we have bi-weekly talks um, that we engage in very challenging conversations about bias, uh, about race, about gender, sexual orientation, et cetera. So having those continual like focus groups, I've seen, I've seen to be very helpful outside of just standard trainings, uh, as well as 
you know, being able to provide them uh, resources that they can look back at as well. You know, so uh, letting them know, hey, there's an organization that, that you can reach out to for additional resources uh, if you want you want to continue your education, right? Or hey, we have a a focus a, a consultation group every week or every or every other week to engage a little bit deeper in these conversations, right? So providing those platforms is important to continue this dialogue and this work. I recently was tasked with coming up with our administration's DEI strategy, and it was interesting because the challenge with it in this case was. There was no money allocated for it. And there was also, we couldn't use levers such as legislation. And so I felt like I was boxed in and what I could do. And what it turned into was actually an opportunity to look very inward into our processes and say, hey, we don't have any measures in our um, workforce evaluation tied to equity. Like we have nothing that we talk about when we're talking about our own professional growth, when it comes to professional development opportunities, no one's required to take these courses. What are we doing when we bring people on board to integrate a DEI lens? And it became this conversation of, do we really mean what we say? And like, I was able to pull up our diversity statement. It's like, let's look at this diversity statement and also look at our managers. Let's look at our bureau directors. And there were these significant gaps on I don't see a lot of people of color in these positions. And why is that? And so my question to you is when you start, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, when you see organizations who are on the right path when it comes to DEI, but they need that extra push, how do you get them there? I think that's, yeah, that's a great question. I think that's also very challenging. Uh, like I said before, showing them the outcomes is important, mm -hmm. uh, but also, like I said, as well, you know, understanding their why, you know, understanding are, what is the reason by having that mission statement? You know, do you, do you, how essential is that for your organization? You know, how important is that? And once you are understand where they're at, when it comes to their urgency, then you're able to see, okay, hey, can, can we push to the other side? Can we really help motivate them to show them this is, you know, an important topic? But at the end of the day, you know, we can't, we can't make any organization or any company you know, instill these values. Um, all we can do is provide the evidence, you know, help them link that with their why, help them link that with the products that they're providing and the environment that they're trying to enhance. And, and hopefully there's some change made. And, and oftentimes I don't go into organizations thinking that, hey, I need to change the entire organization in this one visit. My main goal is, hey, if I just get these conversations started, if I just provide tools to help individuals feel a little bit more comfortable having these challenging conversations and dialogue, then I, I did my job, right? If we're able to see that individuals have came away learning something that they can apply in their daily life, then that's, that's all I can hope for, you know? So I never go in saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to change the entire culture of this organization. Um, all I do is say, hey, maybe I can touch one person. Mm -hmm. And that one person can touch another person. And that other person can maybe have these conversations with their family, right? And they can stand up to injustice with it when they see it, not only in the workplace, but maybe in the society. So that's, that's all I try to do. I try to touch one person at a time, and hopefully that chain continues. 
And, and that's, that's where we start to see culture shift, right? When it becomes those dialogues, when it becomes a part of the fabric of organizations and not just some offbeat, every once in a while somebody brings it up at a meeting, it's really that ongoing experience. Definitely. Dr. Warner, it's been great catching up here. I think for me, the take home is really going back to the, the title of the episode and starting with your why. I mean, it just seems so invaluable to understand the purpose behind what you're trying to accomplish. And I mean, that seems to resonate not just from an organizational standpoint, but individually internal to the organization and external. And so I'm glad that you were able to come on today, share some nuggets of wisdom and wishing you continued success in all of your endeavors. Could you let our listeners know the best way to keep in touch with you? I mean, aside from the fact that you are a service, how else can people just follow the work that you're doing? Definitely. So the first place to go is you can visit my website at www.rcwarnerconsulting.com as well as I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all under Dr. Ryan C. Warner. So if you just Google Dr. Ryan C. Warner, um, it should come up as well. One day I want somebody to Google me and I come up too. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Dr. Warner. I definitely appreciate your time here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'd like to just give a quick shout out again to Dr. Warner for joining us on the show. Just this idea of really starting with your why. I mean, with anything that you do, I think it always comes back to that. Also, a few housekeeping things. Yes, we do have an episode next week. It will be the last episode of the year. I'm really excited to get it out. We're talking about the importance of place and the intersection of place with equity. So that's going to be a great conversation. Also, as always, follow us on Instagram. That is at Equity Matters Podcast. I say it every week, but we are building community over there. I'm excited that we just crossed 400 followers, looking for the next 400 more. Really excited for all the things that we've got brewing over there, for the conversations that take place in between the episodes. I mean, really being able to put out content to educate folks so they can learn more about equity and how it shows up in different spaces. So please follow us there. And as always, equity matters.